As you reach for your Bible, go ahead and stand and turn to John chapter 1. We'll be reading John chapter 1, verses 4 through 13 this morning as Pastor Bruce continues in his Christmas sermon series. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives the light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Father, we come to you this morning. Thank you for sending your Son on behalf of humanity. I ask that you would open our hearts and minds to uh, absorb um, the, the meanings and the messages of Christmas and the glory of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Christmas is many things to many people, but it is definitely a, a time of lights. As we look at uh, the second message in this series of Jesus as the light, behold the glory of the light. I'm sure most of you uh, use Christmas lights to decorate your Christmas tree. How many have a Christmas tree in their house? How many use lights on your Christmas tree? Anybody? How many decorate their house outside with lights? I mean, you guys are the true, uh, you know, festive people. Pastor Chris always gives me a hard time because I don't decorate my house with Christmas lights, and he says, my, my kids need that, they deserve that, to celebrate, and I said, my wife puts up enough lights in our house for outside our house, so we, we, you know, she decorates upstairs, downstairs, and we have lights all over the place, and of course, the boys want the lights to stay on 24-7 throughout the whole month of December, and uh, in fact, Jay was funny last night. Uh, you know, Dar likes to turn the Christmas tree lights out when we go to bed at night, and Jack wants to keep them on. So they're playing this tug of war, and finally you can, you can figure out who won that game. And I'm like, Darla, why are the Christmas lights on? Well, Jack wanted them on, you know. So, but we use lights to decorate our Christmas trees. But did you know that this custom of decorating our Christmas tree with lights, it harks back to the use of candles to decorate the Christmas tree in homes in 18th century Germany. It wasn't until the early 20th century that decorating the Christmas tree with electric lights became popular, and needless to say, a lot safer than using candles on your Christmas tree. By the mid-20th century, it became customary to display strings of electric lights along streets and buildings, such as what you see down at the plaza. I'm sure most of you have seen the plaza lights here in Kansas City. And in the 1960s, it became popular to decorate your home with Christmas lights. And of course, today, you can watch these Christmas programs, these shows uh, that highlight people who spend literally thousands upon thousands of dollars to buy thousands and thousands of lights to decorate their whole house. How many have seen such a show? In fact, you look at that and you're like, oh man, that's just, uh, how do they tolerate that? I don't know. Uh, but anyways, Christmas is a time of lights. And, and that really is fitting since light plays such a prominent role 
in the Christmas story itself. Just think with me for a moment about all the places where light shows up in the Christmas story. The shepherds, who are the the first to hear the news about the birth of Jesus, were watching their flocks by night when an angel appeared and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And of course you have the wise men. When they arrive in Jerusalem, they're looking for the newborn king because they had seen his star when it rose. And and the wise men actually find then Jesus in Bethlehem as the star came to rest over the place where the child was. So Christmas really is a time of lights. And that's good as light tends to focus our attention on things. And in the case of the Christmas season or specifically here in the book of John, John chapter 1, lights are used to focus our attention on the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, as we continue in our Christmas series, as I said, we're focusing on the advent or the coming of Jesus from John chapter 1. And again, I want to encourage you that, uh, to take note of this bulletin insert here. Uh, we talked a little bit about Advent last Sunday. Advent means coming, and there's really there's four weeks leading up to Christmas Day. It's the season of Advent, and uh, so you have four Sundays. Last Sunday was the first Sunday of Advent. Today is the second Sunday of Advent, and uh, I would encourage you to, to use this little devotional for you personally or, or to lead your family in, uh, in Advent and uh, like, for example, my family last night, we gathered around. We have, you know, a nativity advent in our kitchen table, and we gathered around there, and I kind of let them in a little devotional about uh, the promise candle and the preparation candle because we actually missed the first Sunday of Advent, so we kind of combined. And, uh, and we just talked about it. What does it mean to the promise candle? Uh, and we read from Isaiah and then talked about the preparation candle and, you know, of course, the big deal is Jack wants to light the lights, the candles, and, uh, and then they fight over who can blow them out at the end. And it's not anything long, but you can do it as your family. And, you know, and it's, it's what I, I, I actually enjoy it more now than I did when they were littler because now they're asking questions. And it's a, real, it's a really a cool time to answer questions about different things. Um, and you can, you know, you can have more of an intellectual conversation with them, an application conversation about the birth of Christ, the coming of Christ, in anticipation of his second coming as well. And so let me encourage you to use the devotionals that are in there. Last Sunday, we looked at Jesus as the Logos, the Greek word for our English word, word. And today, we want to behold his glory as the light. And so notice this coming up on the screen And in your notes there, Jesus is the light of the world who triumphs over darkness. You could call this the invincibility of light. As we will see, Jesus is the light who triumphs over darkness. This is what John tells us in John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Look at it with me again in your notes or in your Bibles. It says, in him, that is in Jesus, was life. And the life was what? The light of men. And then he describes what this light does. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You go to John chapter 8, verse 12, and Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then Jesus declares in John 12, verse 46, I have come into the world as a what? A light. 
so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. So Jesus has come into this dark world and is the light of this dark world who triumphs over darkness. You say, well, what is the darkness? What's that referring to here? The darkness, you could, you could kind of summarize it this way. It's, it's the world of sin, of unbelief and death and judgment and evil. John 3, verse 19 says this. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So darkness is the power of sin and unbelief. But Jesus is the light who triumphs over this darkness. And listen, this makes a tremendous difference in our lives today. Don't just gloss over this. Don't ignore this. This makes a huge difference in our lives today. That the light, that is Jesus, will triumph over darkness since all those who believe in Jesus will also triumph as well. We desperately need to hear this in our world today because darkness is gaining ground on numerous fronts in our world. And we can become discouraged by this. We can, uh, we can be prone to give up our, our walk with the Lord, our, our faith even, and walk away from Jesus. And so we desperately need to be reminded that Jesus is the light who triumphs over darkness. Jesus is the light who shines in a dark world. And so we need to step back, especially during this holiday season, and we just need to behold the glory of the light. Jesus is the light of the world who triumphs over darkness. Now, what does John want us to know about the light of the world here? Well, he wants us to know three things. In fact, we can summarize those three things that John wants us to know with three simple words. Revealed, rejected, and received. And that's what we're going to look at for the rest of our time here. We're going to look how the light is revealed, the light is rejected, and the light is received. So let's look at the first concept here. Number one, as the light, Jesus is revealed in the world. The concept of light has its roots that go all the way back to the Old Testament with the people of Israel. Just listen to how the prophet Isaiah talks about it in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. He says, the people who walked in darkness. Now just stop there for a moment. How many have ever walked in darkness before? You have to, you know, yeah, we all have. You got to, you know, you wake up and you're like, "Uh, I got to go to the bathroom, but it's cold. I don't want to get out from under the covers but you just can't go back to sleep because you've got to go to the bathroom. So now you get up, and it's dark, and you stub your toe, and you let the whole house know that you stubbed your toe. You, you get the idea, walk in darkness. This is the idea, the people, God's people here, the people who walked in darkness, Isaiah says in verse 2, have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. Later on, in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has, shone, has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, 
and kings to the brightness of your rising. Now, what, what is Isaiah saying here? What he's saying to us is that the people of Israel were to be a light of salvation to all the other nations, all the other peoples of the world. And Jesus was the fulfillment of this promise of salvation. Through Jesus, Israel would fulfill its ultimate purpose as a nation, and all peoples of the world would receive spiritual light. They would receive understanding of who they are in relation to who Jesus is and their need for a Savior. This is why at Jesus' dedication in the temple, when after he, he was born, uh, an, an old, devout Jewish man named Simeon, what does he do? He sees the baby. And he, he takes baby Jesus into his arms from mother Mary, the mother you know, Mary there. And he says in Luke chapter 2, verses 30 and 32, My eyes have now seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light, Simeon says, for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. In other words, as the light, Jesus... And Simeon sees this. He sees him in the bodily form. As the light, Jesus is now revealed when he came into the world. But what makes Jesus the light so significant? I mean, in other words, why should I care about this? Why should I care Jesus is revealed in the world as the light? What difference does this make? Well, John gives us three truths about Jesus the light. This is why I should care about it. This is why I should pay attention and perk up my ears and open my heart now to what John has to say to us about Jesus the light. Listen to this. Look at this in your notes here. Number one, this light, Jesus, is the source of life. It's the, he is the source of life. Look what John says in verse 4. In him was what? Life. And the life that is in Jesus is the light of men. All life originates in the Logos or the Word, as we learned last Sunday. But it also originates in the light. We know this because we saw last week in verse 3 that Jesus is the creator of all things. But here in verse 4, the focus is on spiritual life or eternal life, which means we are facing two overwhelming problems in our life right now. We have two overwhelming problems in relation to the light here. One is we're spiritually dead when we're born. And because we're spiritually dead, we are spiritually blind to the truth and grace of Jesus Christ as the light. In other words, we're spiritually dead and we're spiritually blind, so we don't see Jesus. We don't see the light. We don't see our need as a Savior. We don't even see ourselves as sinners because we're spiritually dead. We're spiritually blind. And that's our problem. And here's the great news. John is telling us Jesus is the remedy to both of our problems here. Jesus is both light and life at the same time in this light Notice this. It can produce within us spiritual life. It gives us eternal life. As we're going to see, it gives us a, a new birth, a new heart. 
And so the light is the source of life that we need. You say, I don't need the source of life. I'm already alive. I walked, I drove here. I walked in the building. I'm alive. Oh, you think you're alive. But we're all dying, aren't we? How long are you going to live? If you're lucky, 80, 70, 90 years maybe. Some of you will die this week, possibly. We hear in the news, we read it all the time. Young people die all the time. So all why we are physically alive, we are dying. We need life. We need spiritual life. And Jesus came to give that to us. This is why Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's what we're talking about, the light of life, the light that comes with new life in Christ. In other words, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you receive life. Abundant life here on this earth as well as eternal life. It's an awesome thing. This makes a difference. This is worth paying attention to. This light is the source of life that we need. Number two, the second truth that is revealed to us by John is this light is superior over darkness. This light is superior. Light always wins over darkness. Always, period, into the story. Light always wins. It always triumphs over darkness. This is what John means in verse 5 when he says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, or some of your translations will say, or understand it, or overcome it. This word shine, it's an interesting word because it's in the present tense, which means that the light is ongoing. It just didn't shine once and then flamed out. It's an ongoing light. It shines continually, and it always shines. As we said earlier, Jesus is the light who triumphs over what? Darkness. And continues to triumph over darkness. So in what way, then, does light triumph over darkness? Well, get this. Darkness and light We sometimes think of them as opposites, and they are. But in thinking about darkness and light as opposites, we also can sometimes think they are equal. But they are not equal. Why? Because light always triumphs over darkness. Why? Because darkness is penetrated by just a wee little small amount of light, isn't it? Darkness is dispelled by the presence of light. When a room goes dark, it's because what has taken place? The lights aren't there any longer. How many have been to Silverdar City? It's a great place to go. You need to go to get out more and go down to Silverdar City. It's a great place to go. So for those of you who have been to Silverdar City, the main entrance there what's the first thing you can go see? The cave. Marvel Cave. How many have been to Marvel Cave? All right. How many have been to any cave in your life? All right, a little bit. So you know what I'm talking about. Well, if you go to Silver City and go down to Marvel Cave, 
you get on this, you, 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 I mean, you go way down. It's a huge cave, and it's just, it's a pretty cool thing to go through. But there's one point in the tour of Marvel Cave where they turn the lights out, and let me tell you, you put your hand up, and you can't see your hand. It is pitch black. And then the coolest thing is, I don't know if they still do this. When I, would, when I did it, they did this. You know, they, somebody would flick a Bic, you know, and you'd have this little candle light from a Bic lighter. And it just, that little light, little bitty flame just kind of dispelled the darkness. And all of a sudden, you're like, all right, I feel better now. I'm not scared anymore. I'm not freaking out anymore. The Bic is lit. All right? And the light overcame the darkness. Why? Because light always triumphs. It always wins over darkness because darkness isn't the presence of anything. Darkness is understood not as the presence of dark, but as the absence of light. Author Robert Louis Stevenson, some of you may have read some of his works, who was once, uh, as a child, he was very, very ill. And he actually recorded a childhood incident in his diary in the mid-1850s when he was seated by a window at nightfall and he's watching out the window a lamp lighter lighting the street lights below him. His nurse came into the room and asked him what he was doing. He says, I'm watching a man make holes in the darkness. I love that because that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus himself is the one who is poking holes in the darkness, as John says in verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the result now of this light can be seen in verse 9, when John writes the true light, in other words, the genuine light, which is Jesus Christ, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. In other words, here's what John's telling us in verse 9. The light of life. Jesus Christ is now offered to all humanity. To all peoples, He comes and He shines. And some people will see the light and they will receive the light. Other people will be blinded. They don't see it. They remain in their darkness spiritually and they reject the light. And so this light of Jesus, in this way, the true light, it shines on every person. And listen what it does. It divides the human race. Those who respond in unbelief will run from the light. Because what does light do? It exposes you. It exposes our evil deeds. The light exposes my heart. It exposes me as a sinner. And if I don't want that, if I don't see that, if I can't open my eyes to that, I will run from it because I like the darkness. I like my evil deeds. And I don't want the light to expose me. But some will respond in belief and they will receive the light. And so in that way, all of humanity is divided by those who have received Christ and those who have rejected Christ. And all of this now helps explain the ministry of John the Baptist. It brings us to the third truth about light. Notice this, number three. The light is shared with others by those who see him. Him being Jesus Christ. How many have heard of John the Baptist? Raise your hand. All right. Most people have heard of the name John the Baptist. And most people know John the Baptist as the dude who wore camel hair and lived in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey. 
And that's about all we know of John the Baptist. But notice how the Apostle John here introduces us to John the Baptist in verses 6 and 8. This is so amazing. Look at this. It says, there was a man. And get this. Notice who he's sent from. Who's he sent from? God. Whose name was John. This is not John the Apostle who's writing the book of John. This is a different John, who we know as John the Baptist. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light. The Apostle John now, the author of the book, he's now emphasizing something, that John the Baptist is not the light of Jesus, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Now, a couple of things to take note here. First, John was a man. You're like, duh. Tell me something I don't know. He's a man. He's human. You say, well, why is that so important? Well, because the Apostle John, what he's doing, he's emphasizing something to us. He wants us to understand something. He's emphasizing John's the Baptist's humanity in contrast to Jesus' deity. This is important because up till now, in John chapter 1, Jesus has been called what? The Logos, who is God. He's not just God, but He's the Creator of all things. And He is now the light. We, now, we understood last Sunday He's the Logos, who's God, the Creator of all things. Today we understand He's the light, who is now the source of all life. So it looks as if the way this Logos and the light is going to spread throughout the world is by its own power and its own brightness. But the Apostle John knows that's not the case. That's not God's plan. That's not how it's going to work. The Word of Jesus, the Logos of Jesus, and the light of Jesus is going to spread throughout the whole world through, get this, the witness, yeah, people like us, human beings. And there's no other way. That is God's plan. And so John now, what he's doing, it's like he, he's talking about Jesus as the Logos, as the light. We're going to see as the Lord next Sunday. Then last, the, on the 23rd, he's as the Lamb. And in, in mixed of all of this, it's like John all of a sudden just interjects. Oh, by the way, John the Baptist here. Take note of him. Why? Why would John do that? Because John is introducing us to a person a human in John the Baptist. He wants us to know from the beginning of his letter that human witnesses to Christ are always necessary. In other words, our witness, my witness, your witness about Jesus is a great necessity. But what's a witness? What is a witness? This witness theme runs throughout John's gospel. If you read the book of John, you will find it all the way through. In fact, the apostle John presents in his book here, the gospel of John, one witness after another. A witness here, a witness there, a witness there. And their purpose, why he did that, was to verify and to testify that Jesus, this Messiah who came, who we celebrate at Christmas time, really is the Son of God. So what is a witness? 
Well, a witness is just what you think a witness is. A witness is one who sees and then tells what they see. Or a witness is someone who experiences something and then shares what they have experienced. And in this case, John the Baptist was a witness who saw Jesus in all his glory, and then he spoke about Jesus to other people. So John was sent by God as a witness to Jesus Christ, the light. Why? To tell people that the Logos and the light had come into the world. But why? Well, verse 7 tells us why John's witness is so necessary. Look at it. This man came for a witness, to bear witness for the light. Here's the reason why John's witness is so important. That all through him might believe. Do you see why our witness is so necessary? Believing in Jesus happens through a witness to Jesus. There's no other way. Romans 10.17 tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Do we understand this? Do I understand the significance of this and what it means for me, Bruce Adrian? Do you understand what it means for you as a one who professes to know Christ as your Lord and Savior? It means my witness, your witness of Jesus is a great necessity. Don't downplay it. Don't count it insignificant because it's not. Without a witness, no one believes. John the Baptist came as a witness to bear witness about Jesus so all might believe through him, that is, through his witness. That's how necessary our witness is. Believing only happens through a witness. This is why, folks, we must share the good news of Jesus Christ with those who are still living in darkness. Because only the light that we are sharing about triumphs over the darkness that they are still in bondage to. And in God's plan, don't ask me why, he chose to use people like us in the process. Human beings like us. So the first thing we learn about Jesus as the light is that he is revealed in the world. So how do you think the world responded to Jesus revealed in the world? Well, notice number two. As the light, Jesus is rejected by people of unbelief. We live in a world of hopelessness because of the darkness of sin. But the glorious message of John is that Jesus, the light, came into this dark world. Why? Why did Jesus come? Why do we celebrate Christmas? What's the purpose of Christmas? Jesus came to save us from our sins. Remember what the angel told Joseph? In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21... The angel comes to Joseph and he says, listen, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Listen, Jesus came as the light to rescue us from the darkness of our sins, and yet notice how the world responds in verses 10 and 11. He says, he, that is Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him. In other words, Jesus, John's reiterating that Jesus is the creator and the world did not know him. 
He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. Now, just stand back from these two verses, because these two verses here, verses 11 and 12, are two of the saddest verses in all the Bible. These two verses show us how indifferent we are to what should be obvious to us. These verses show us how we reject the very one who made us. Notice how the world responded to Jesus. Number one, Jesus came to the world, but the world did not recognize him. Verse 10, it reveals our sinful indifference to Jesus. When John writes, he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. This is unthinkable. It's absurd. The creator came and his own creation did not recognize him. And so in, their, in this, they rejected him in their indifference. And this indifference, listen, it's, not, not, it's just not a passive indifference. This indifference to the Creator, Jesus, God. We're, we're indifferent and we reject it because it's a refusal to deal with the obvious that we are created. And if I, if I acknowledge that I'm created, then what am I also acknowledging? That there's a Creator. And I'm accountable to that Creator at some point in time in my life. And so we don't want to be accountable to anybody in the darkness of our sin. And so we, we reject it. We refuse to deal with our problem here. Just think about all the people just in the Christmas story, in, in the life of Christ, who did not recognize Jesus, and therefore they rejected Him. The innkeeper, who gets a bad rap, didn't recognize Jesus, and, and Jesus was born in a stable. King Herod didn't recognize Jesus. In fact, you could say he resented Jesus. And so Jesus was taken into hiding in Egypt as a babe. Later on, even Mary and Joseph's own children, their other children, who would be the half-brothers and sisters of Jesus later on in Jesus' life after he's involved in his earthly ministry, they didn't recognize Jesus and they accused him of being out of his mind. The crowds love the free lunches that Jesus provided them. I mean, who doesn't like a free lunch, right? But later on, they forsook Jesus. The Jewish religious leaders hated Jesus. They wanted him killed because he claimed to be God. And finally, Pilate and the Roman soldiers, they didn't recognize Jesus. Here, Jesus was standing in front of Pilate. And Pilate, they're talking about truth. And Pilate's like, what, what is truth? Who is truth? And Jesus has already declared, I am the truth. Pilate doesn't even recognize him. He's standing right in his face. And so eventually they just crucified him. It's tragic. And yet it's true. When Jesus came into this world, the world did not recognize him. But the world, let me tell you, it will recognize him one day when he comes again. I love what the Apostle John, the same John that wrote the Gospel of John, he later on, at the end of his life, he writes a book called Revelation. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 says, Look, in other words, behold again, he, that is Jesus, is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. We will recognize him at that moment. And even those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. 
But the first time Jesus came, oh, how it was so different, wasn't it? The world did not recognize him, but that's not the worst of it. Jesus came to his own, his own people, but they did not receive him. John states the ultimate indignity in verse 11. Look at this. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. In other words, Jesus came to his own people. He came to his own home. He came to his own things. He came to his own domain, and his own did not receive him. Unbelievable. Jesus came to people who should have known him best, and they wanted nothing to do with him. John chapter 3, verses 19 through 20 says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. And so they did not receive the light because they did not believe him. And finally, they crucified him. And this rejection, folks, listen to me, it continues even today when people refuse to acknowledge God's rule. When they refuse to acknowledge my sin, our sin, and our need of a Savior. And so all of this sets us up for what comes next. And this is so glorious. Oh, I love this part. Number three, as the light Jesus is received by those who believe. He is received by those who believe. There's no doubt that verses 10 and 11 are tragic. But folks, listen to me. Verse 12 is incredible. Verse 12 is amazing. It's one of the most amazing verses in all the Bible. And so please, open your heart up to verse 12. Don't miss what John says here in verse 12. While it's true that most people reject Jesus in their unbelief, it's also true some people believe Him. And in their belief, they receive Him. Notice God's amazing offer in verses 12 and 13. It says, but as many as received Him. To them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So get this. There are people. There have been people in the past. There are people in the present. And there will continue to be people in the present who do receive Jesus who do welcome Jesus into their lives, who do open their hearts to him, who do acknowledge who he is. And these people, John says, become God's children through the miracle of the new birth. In fact, notice here, coming up on the screen, this is the glorious promise that God makes to us even today. And the promise is right here in your notes. Look at it. All who receive and believe in Jesus Christ are given the right to become children of God and enter the family of God through the miracle of the new birth. Let me ask you, are you lonely this morning? I'm not asking, are you alone? It's hard to be alone in this world. And that's the ironic thing in this world, isn't it? You can live in a neighborhood, you can live in an apartment complex, you can work among an office complex, co-workers on a construction site, you can even be among family, not be alone, and yet be lonely. 
So let me ask you, are you lonely this morning? Are you insecure? Are you living without Jesus in this dark world? Listen, Jesus comes to us this morning and He says, I love you. I have come to save you from your sins. And the question is, will you respond? Will you receive and believe? So what does it mean to believe? It means to believe that Jesus is truly the Son of God. It means to believe that He really is the Messiah and that He really can save people from their sins. It means to believe the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, what's the Gospel? The Gospel is the good news. The good news of what? The good news that Jesus died on the cross for sinners, and he rose again. It means you no longer believe in your ability to save yourself, but you now transfer that trust and faith from yourself to save you to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And in your believing, you put your faith and trust in him. That's what it means. And then notice this amazing thing that John says next when we receive and believe. He says, to them, he gave the right to become the children of God, sons and daughters of God. As Jesus says in John 12, 36, believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. This is truly amazing because remember who we are when we are born. When we're born physically, what are we? What is our status? What is our state spiritually? We are spiritually dead. We are spiritually blind by the darkness of our sin. But in His grace, and folks, it is surely grace. What does God do? He opens our eyes. He opens our heart to the light of Jesus. And we believe in Him. We put our faith and trust in Him. And God says we now become His children. Whoa, blow me away. This gift of God, it's incredible. And all of this happens by the power of God through the miracle of the new birth. This is why John says then in verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of who? God. In other words, this spiritual birth doesn't happen by human nature or by our human ability. This is something that only happens by God. In other words, we can't save ourselves. We must be born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus. And this is a miracle only God can perform. Folks, this is what Christmas is all about. This is what we celebrate during Advent season. God. In his mercy to us, in his grace to us, what did he do? He sent his only begotten son into the world to rescue helpless sinners like us and to give us new life. And so we behold his glory. The light who invades our dark world in order to save us from our sin. So how then should we respond to this? Well, let me offer you two suggestions in closing here. Number one is to receive the light by believing in Jesus for eternal life. You know, I wonder if this might be the day that some of you here this morning, you finally see the light. It just kind of clicks with you. You see the light of Jesus as the one who came to save you from your sins. 
Let me ask you, would you like to receive Jesus as your Savior? God's promise to you, again, in verse 12 is, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. You know, many of you here this morning have already received Jesus as your Savior. But what about those of you who have yet to do so? Receiving Jesus simply means that you put your faith and trust in His life, in His death, in His resurrection as a sufficient payment for your sins. It means you believe in Jesus. It means you receive Jesus. You welcome Him into your heart and your life. So ask yourself, have I done this? Have I received Jesus? If not, then receive Him as your Savior and Lord here this morning. Open your heart to Him by believing in Him for your salvation. For those of us who have already received him, then how should we respond to Jesus as the light? Well, number two, be a witness. Be a witness for the light by sharing Jesus with those still in darkness. Remember, what is John the Baptist? He's known as John the Baptist. But really, he is John the The witness. Listen to how John himself describes himself to the Jewish priests and Levites in John chapter 1 here, in verses 22 and 23. He says, so they said to him, hey, John, who are you? The Jewish priests, Levites, they've been sent to come to John. They asked John, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself, John? And here's John's answer. I love it. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. In other words, John is simply saying that he is a voice. A voice. A witness. That's what we need to be. We need to be a voice. We need to be a witness to Jesus, the light of the world, who triumphs over darkness of sin. So here's the lesson for those of us who profess to be Christ followers here this morning. Be a witness for the light by sharing Jesus with those living in darkness of sin. And one way to be a witness is simply to invite someone to our Christmas services. Next Sunday, in fact, the next two Sundays, are great opportunities to invite somebody to church. One way to help you invite someone at least one person, we have some invite cards on the back table there. And uh, they're just simple. It says, Joy of the World, Celebrate Christ's Birth. And on the back side, it's just information about our church. It has a map, our website. And uh, what a simple way. It can be, you know, hey, I'd like to invite you to our church services this Christmas. And, uh, and whether that's the end of the conversation or whether you go beyond that is really up to you, however God leads. But let me encourage you to take some of these invite cards on the back, two or three of them, and just hand them out to coworkers, friends, neighbors, um, whatever the case may be. It's a great tool to help you, to assist you, invite someone during the holiday season. Another way that we have to help you uh, to be a witness and to share the good news is what we uh, uh, made available to you last Sunday are these Christmas bags, which includes uh, a New Testament, a, a, uh, again, an invitation uh, to our church with information on our church and even a personal invitation that you can fill out. If you don't fill it out, then you know, take it out of the bag 
Um, and then it even has a, a track in there as well. And we still have plenty of these bags back there. Uh, last Sunday we were kind of limiting it to 10 per family, but I think we have enough. If you've already taken 10, you need some more, please feel free to take more than 10 then. And if you haven't take, picked up any of these Christmas bags, then uh, make your way to the back of the auditorium at the info table and uh, pick up a few of these and just, you know, hand them to your neighbors, give them to your neighbor. A great way uh, to help us all to be a witness, to be a voice in the darkness of this world. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. I'd like to, as we prepare for our response time, to end with a simple prayer. Perhaps some of you are here and you have yet to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. But the light is shining. God's opening up your heart and your eyes to your need of Jesus Christ. And so I want to lead you in a prayer. And perhaps this prayer will be the vehicle that God uses to create faith in your heart and bring you into His family. And so may God help you to trust Christ and receive Him by faith. And and here's the simple prayer. It's, Dear Jesus, for too long I've, I've kept you out of my life. But today I want to open my heart to you and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for coming to this earth as the light. With all my heart I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose again. Thank you for creating in me new life and giving me the gift of eternal life. Amen. You know, if you've prayed this prayer, it's not... The prayer in and of itself, it's really the heart and your desire to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if, and if this prayer expressed that heart, I hope you'll tell someone today about your decision. I'd be glad to hear from you as well and to celebrate with you. As the praise team sings, here's for the rest of us how I want to ask you to respond. And that is, first of all, just to give thanks to God for sending Jesus as the light of the world. Give thanks that he opened up your heart, he opened up your eyes. And then ask God for boldness to share the light and to be a witness of the light like John the Baptist. Because if you're like me, we all need more courage, we need boldness. And we just need to go and show Christ and share the good news. As the praise team sings.